Good evening. How is everyone this evening? It is a pleasure to be with you all. It is a pleasure indeed. I am grateful that I was extended the invitation to come share with you. And short of the worst weather possible, I was going to be here because I was not going to miss a chance to fellowship with a National Baptist Memorial for you are a church that I think highly of and a church that God is still striving to be with every day. Would you bow your head for a word of prayer, please? Gracious Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for those who have struggled to get here. We thank you for those who found today particularly difficult, but yet they still found a way to make it here today. Lord, allow their sacrifice to be one that reflects the faith that they have on the inside so that you will meet them at the point of their need and address the things that they have brought to your attention. Lord, bless our time. Allow us to grow more together and grow deeper in you. We ask all these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For those of you who have your Bible, would you do me a favor and turn with me to the book of Genesis? The book of Genesis. We're going to look at Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11. We're going to start at verse 1 and we're going to conclude at verse 9. If you are physically able, would you stand? As I read, I will read it in the Message Bible for clarity. We have Genesis chapter 11, starting at verse 1. And it says, at one time, the whole earth spoke the same language. It so happened that as they moved out of the east, they came upon a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and fire them well. They used brick for stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower that reaches heaven. Let's make ourselves famous so that we won't be scattered here and there across the earth. God came down to look over the city and the tower those people had built. God took one look and said, one people one language. Why, this is only the first step. No telling what they'll come up with next. They'll stop at nothing. Come, we'll go down and garble their speech so they won't understand each other. Then God scattered them from all over the world and they had quit building the city. That's how it came to be called Babel because there God turned their language into Babel. From there, God scattered them all over the world. You may be seated. For a point of emphasis, I like to read this, a certain verse in the NIV, and it simply says that God confused their language. God confused their language. For the time that's ours today, I'd like to share with you from this thought, the God of a new thing. The God of a new thing. My sister and brother, one of the most challenging things that I've come to realize in my Christian journey 
is the fact that it is so difficult to live in the way that God would want me to. Now, maybe some of you have got it figured out, but I am yet struggling to understand how I can help bring about the purposes of God in my life. And if you were like me, you've wrestled with such questions. You've tried to figure out how can I be more faithful? How can I align myself with God in such a way in which my spiritual life stays connected? How can I do what God asked me to do so that I can find peace at night when I lay down? Maybe you know that feeling. But also, if you're like me, you understand the frustration of coming up short. You have big dreams and big desires and you planned it all the way out. But yet something has happened where it was not able to be. Now, I can deal with to a certain extent if I am the one who hinders my progression. Because I can look at the man in the mirror and I can tell him he needs to change his ways. I can say, Mark Jefferson, you have failed yourself today. And the reason why you were not able to achieve God's purpose for your life today to the extent that you were able was because there's something about what I did to myself. That pain is frustrating, what I've done to myself. Looking in the mirror and saying, I did this. I said that. I went there. Oh, that feeling hurts. The feeling in which when people obstruct your ability to bring about the purposes of God is just as frustrating. When you're trying to live right, you're striving to do the things of God, but people see that forward momentum and then what do they try to do? Invite you to all the things that you're running from. It seems that those closest to you know your weaknesses best and invite you into those spaces that can seemingly regress your spiritual development. But of those two things, I'm still not necessarily perplexed because those things are things that I can understand. I can understand that my friend lets me down. I can understand if I let myself down. I can understand if circumstances and situations were in such a condition that I was unable to master it. But what do you do? Where do you go when God is the one frustrating your plans? Who do you appeal to when it is the cosmic sovereign of the universe? The one who lit the sun one time and has never gone out. This same God who allows us to exist on this spinning ball of rocking gas. When this God is the one confusing your plans. Now, some of you are going to say, now, I've been the Sunday school preacher, and I know in 1 Corinthians, it says that God is not the author of confusion. So if God is not the author of confusion, how do I find myself confused? I'm glad you asked, and I'm glad your Sunday school teacher did a job. Because when Paul was talking about God is not the author of confusion, Paul was talking about Christian worship how there must be order in the church. There must be order with tongues. Tongues must have interpretation. Paul is saying that worship is not a free-for-all, for God is not the author of confusion. 
But just because God is not the author of confusion does not mean God will, will not utilize confusion to bring about God's purposes in your life. So maybe you were like me and you find yourself wondering, how in the world did I get here? What did I do to find myself in this place, in this situation at this time? And maybe you can say, I thought it was the devil. I thought it was my friend. I thought it was me. But could it be that it was God that has confused your plans in such a way that you've actually found yourself in the will of God instead of outside? Now, at the time of the text, we find ourselves taking a panoramic view of human history. For Genesis is the beginning. It tells us about how the origins of the world came to be. The biblical text lets us know that God created the heavens and the earth. God created the earth and the sun and the things in the ground and things above ground, things in the water. God created all these things. And then God had the audacity to take God's hands and scoop up the dust of the ground and then commit divine CPR and breathe life into flat lungs and gave what it means to live to something that was inanimate. God gave humans life, but what did humans give God because of this life? Chronic frustration. Our way of saying thank you to God as chronicled by Genesis is saying we're gonna do what we wanna do because you love us so much. God, thank you for the earth that you've given us, but Adam and Eve couldn't quite figure it out and found themselves in a sinful situation and find themselves evicted from God's garden. Oh, it doesn't get better because their children, Cain and Abel, after a sibling squabble, found that one of them lies dead. The first murder in the Bible was a fratricide, brother killing brother. And as time begins to evolve and as the chronicler's hand begins to strengthen, remembering the history of those days, we go on and we realize that now we're at the days of Noah. The Bible says the days of Noah were particularly evil for people were partying, eating, drinking and marrying everything but what God has asked them to do so much so that Noah preached, repent for judgment is coming. And they turned up the music and passed the cavassier and continued to have a good time. It was all good until the raindrops started to fall. It was all good until the water started to rise. And all of a sudden that sinfulness that God tried to warn them about came calling and would not take a rain check. And so now God fed up with humanity and its sinfulness and its willfully, its willful desire to destroy itself. God fed up, said, I'm going to do you one better. I'm going to destroy you myself. And so he takes this little ark, this little seed of humanity, and he allows it to thrive. And Noah ends up on dry land after a while. Now, God makes a promise 
to Noah and says, Noah, guess, this is what I'm going to do. I am never going to destroy the world by water again. I'm going to give you a sign that I will never do what I did before. But I want you to do something for me. I want to give you something new. But you have to then do something new. So I am telling you I'm going to save you so that you can repopulate the world. So I need you to then go from this place and go out. We find ourselves in Genesis 11 in a precarious predicament. For it is in this place we find that God is yet concerned about humanity after he has tried to do something new in them. My sister and brother, the question must be pressed, and if you would allow me to press it, I shall. What is God up to in your life? Why is God going through all the things God is doing to shift your life and to place you in a position to not be comfortable? What is God doing to arrange your life so that the way that you anticipated things going would not be the way that it ends up? What is at stake in this new thing God is doing that God won't let you stay in the old thing? Maybe God is trying to shake you out of that way of seeing yourself for you've seen yourself too small for too long. And that comfortableness of seeing oneself is too small and too insignificant. Maybe God is saying that that plan of living life is too small for me. Maybe that desire to keep life in a simple little box and not have God push upon and move those things. Maybe that desire for normalcy is keeping us strapped into settling. So could it be, my sister and my brother, that God has confused your plans because God knows what's best for those plans? Why would God go through all that trouble? Glad you asked. Number one, God is going through all this trouble. The God of a new thing is going through the trouble of confusing our plans, number one, because we wanted to settle when he told us to spread. The text says it right here. The text says that they settled in the plain of Shinar. For the whole earth had one language. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. Don't run past that. They were all in one place. They settled in the valley because they were supposed to go out to the world. God said, populate the entire world. And they took six steps and settled. God gave them this big vision of doing great things in the world. God said, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not behold it? And they say, we behold it so much, we're going to stay right where we are. 
Now, let's push it further because the text says they settled in that plain and they said to each other, we're not going to just settle, but we're going to make something permanent in a temporary place. But they said, we're going to build something here. We're going to make bricks, even though we don't have brick making stuff. We're going to make homes out of stuff that's only supposed to be transient and temporary. But their fear and of, this, of deciding to settle instead of expanding out has caused them to shrink their perspective into a bite-sized reality. So that the cosmic God of the universe has now been condensed into man's finite plan. Where, in the, where are the places in our life in which settling has become safer than spreading out? It is easy to stay in the place of settling, in the plain. In between the mountain and the mountain, but we find ease in the valley because I know what it's like to settle. Therefore, I don't have to raise my level of anticipation. If I settle here, then I can't be hurt anymore. If I settle here, I don't have to trust God to do something new. But there was something deeper at work in their desire to settle. Their desire to settle was even deeper because they were afraid of being great. But they were afraid of being great God's way and not their way. Their desire for greatness was based on rebellion of God's plan. God's saying spread out. The whole world is out there for you. And they say, no, we're going to stay here. We're going to take tar and mortar and they're going to build themselves a city with a tower that reached up to heaven. They tried to consecrate what was man made as something divine, trying to reach God from the frailty of their human condition. Can you see the arrogance of this people? Can you see the fear in these people as they said, God, we're not gonna do what you say, we're gonna do what we want and then expect you to bless it. Oh, when you're in that position of settling, you want God to bless your mess. Because God, you, if you believe that God will bless it, that he'll leave you alone. Oh. Unfortunately, my sister and brother, it does not work that way. Because your desire to settle is not stronger than God's desire to save. You can't settle yourself out of God's will. I don't care how you feel about it. God won't let you opt yourself out of the plans of God because your being matters. They tried to settle. And they tried to settle because they said, we're going to make a name for ourselves. We are going to make a name for ourselves. 
When one settles, one then tries to do the work that is really God's work. So juxtapose them settling in Genesis 11 with God telling Abraham in the next chapter, I'm going to make your name great. I settled and I'm trying to make my name great. Or I'm going to branch out and allow God to make my name great. But if God makes your name great, guess what happens? You then lose control of the thought of control. Because God's greatness is bigger than anything you could ever fathom for yourself in the first place. And I don't know about you, but I want God to blow my mind. I'm tired of settling for less than. I'm tired of coming up short. I'm tired of telling myself it's okay just getting enough. There has to be a point where you're tired of settling and realize that this valley that I found myself in, this space that I have made myself a recluse in, I cannot thrive here anymore. For God is doing a new thing. Number one, we try to settle. God interrupts our plans. God confuses our plans. God confuses what we have going on. Number two, because we have the power to fail. We don't just have power, but we have the power to fail. The text says, come let us take bricks, bake them thoroughly. Stone, tar, mortar, build a city. We're not going to go anywhere. But then the text says, but the Lord came down. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm a little nervous when the Lord comes down. Now, some of you all who live right all your life, maybe you anticipate the Lord's coming. But there's something about when God comes to visit your situation. Yes, God is always with you. Yes, God is always around. But when you feel that manifest presence of God, that concentrated form of divinity, and you know that God is in that place. When God comes down, things cannot stay the same. When God is present, people cannot stay the same. When God is present, agendas must shift. Oh, God came down to see about these people. Now, some people would be sad. But for me, I find that as a sign of hope that God will come down to see about people who did not have the power to come up and see him. They tried to build a tower up to heaven and couldn't do it. So God said, I'm going to meet you at the lowest point. I'm going to come to you. But what does God's observation have to do with what's going on? God said that these people are speaking one language. They have the power to do anything. Nothing is impossible to these people. Understand this church. When human beings get together in like-minded fashion, we can do anything. But it doesn't take 100 people to do anything. Jesus and a handful of folk turned the world upside down. 
So it doesn't take a whole lot. But when people get in like-minded dispositions, the world is able to change. And God realized it, but he also realized that they were headed in the wrong direction. Oh, I love a God who will keep me from going in the wrong direction. Who will call a course correct on the GPS of my life when I have missed my turn and miss my turn again. Does anybody know that feeling of missing your turn? And it says, well, turn left here, but I keep going straight. It's just, you turn here. And I said, no, I'm keep going this way. But it keeps providing ways for me to get back where I'm trying to go. God came down to see about these people because they had the position and the potential to put themselves in a place where they can lock themselves in permanent mediocrity. One language, one thought. So if everybody's talking the same, thinking the same, then how is a new thought going to come? So if everyone is settling for the mediocre, then that becomes the culture. So God had to interrupt the mediocrity of the culture to shake them into a position for them to be able to be productive. I'm glad that God shook me out of my mediocrity and would not let me stay there because God knew I had the potential to fail and fail and fail. Thirdly and lastly, this God of a new thing confuses their plans because only God could help them get out. Ah, only God could help them get out. What do I mean by that? The text goes on to say, as these people speak in the same language, they had begun to do this, that nothing that they had planned would become impossible. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that no one would understand each other. God understood the fastest way to change the imagination of those people was to change the way that they spoke. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if God is out to change the way that they're speaking, it would also be wise enough to consider that God is changing their ways of being with one another. So God didn't just do something cursory or superficial. God gets to the root of the problem. And he says, the way that you're living is underneath the privilege I've given you. So what am I going to do to bring about this new thing? I am going to confuse your language. Because if I don't confuse it, I'm going to lose you. So maybe God would rather confuse you than to lose you. Maybe God would rather confuse you than to have you wander in the streets not knowing that your God cares for you. But this is what I love about the text, my sister and my brother. At the end of the day, God's purposes will still be accomplished. Even if you don't want them accomplished because they're what best, that's what's best for you anyway. Watch this. The text closes out by saying, The Lord scattered them from there all over the earth. 
and they stopped building the city. The, the Hebrew word for scattered here is like someone tossing seed. Just throwing seed. God was casting them all over the world. Because the inheritance he had for them was bigger than what they had for themselves. So God had to take God's hand and scatter them beyond the walls of their familiar. Could it be, church, that God is trying to scatter you beyond the walls of this familiar? For the church inside the wall must be the church in the world. And so to be scattered by God is not a punishment, but it's a blessing. To be scattered by God means God sees you have benefit out there in the world. And to be scattered by God means God is putting me in a position to be fruitful. So don't be afraid to be scattered by God. Because God has great plans for you. In the midst of your confusion, God is still with you. In the midst of your frustration, God is in the midst. So even when it seems as if you failed yourself and People have failed you and God is confusing your plans. My sister and my brother, you are in the perfect position to be used by God. Allow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Allow the same God that has walked with your forefathers and your foremothers. Allow that same God, though God might be part of a confusing situation, God is bringing it about for your ultimate good. Understand and trust and believe that settling in that valley is not what God has for you. You should be happy and be joyous that God came down to intervene in the situations that we're in. God bless you.